we are going to start a message series today uh, that we're going to just linger for quite a long time, probably three or four months, in the book of Galatians. We're going to call this series The Gospel of Freedom. And we are just going to take some time to unpack what it means to live in grace. In fact, grace is a, is going to be a kind of a theme word for the year, for 2021. Um, I, I want you to grow in knowledge and grace. We're pretty good at growing in knowledge, especially here. You know, I've got Bible studies you can attend or small groups you can be a part of. I, I make a, a, you know, I want you to, in, in your Bible, I've created a, a, a devotional journal we call the R&R Journal. I've got those available at the Connection Center. I've got two different reading plans available at the Connection Center. There's a, there's a through the Bible in one year plan. There's a, there's a, a through the New Testament in one year plan plus Psalms and Proverbs. Like, I want you to grow in knowledge. That's, that's a given. But I also want us to grow in grace. Grace is something that threads in our relationships, in our speech, in our conduct, in our finances, in our worship, in our, you know, our occupation. It, it threads all through the different things we do. And I want us to grow in both knowledge and grace. So we're going to call this the year of grace. And so that's why we're going to do this slow series in this book of Galatians. Galatians is a letter. Uh, like many of our New Testament books, it's a letter. Uh, it was written by the Apostle Paul, and it was addressing a specific problem of doctrinal drift. What do I mean by that? I mean, they were they were drifting from salvation by grace to kind of a, a, a hybrid of salvation by grace and law, keeping the Jewish uh, law. Uh, there were these false teachers that had had gone basically from Jerusalem or Judea, and they were teaching that to really be a follower of Jesus, you still had to keep the Mosaic, the, the Jewish, the Old Testament law to really be saved, to kind of complete your salvation. And this letter is going to kind of um, push back on that and refute that. And, um, it, it's uh, So it's personal. It's... it's um, it includes kind of some testimony from from the Apostle Paul. Um, it's written to what today would be South Central Turkey, this area of Galatia. It's not written to a particular city like the book of First Corinthians or Second Corinthians uh, or Philippians. It's written to a, a, a spread of churches. So it would have been a circular letter that would have gone all through the region in this region where the apostle Paul had church planted, had traveled through in his in his travels earlier. There's a key verse I, of the book I think really captures the essence of the whole book, and it's Galatians five, verse one. And why don't we go ahead and read this together? Because I really want you to kind of grab hold of it. Ready? Go. So Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. All right, so that's kind of a good way to think about this. Freedom, the gospel of freedom, you've been set free, you're free in Christ. Now stay free in Christ. Um, living free, living in freedom is both harder than we think and easier than we might expect. It's both. It's it's. It, it, it is kind of paradoxical in a way. Um, you know, if my faith is just religion, in a way that's kind of easy. Um, because all I have to do is figure out 
the boundaries, figure out my box, figure out the parameters, put God in that box, and just carry that box around. That's that's religion. Just, you know, as long as I keep these rules and these laws and 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 say these, do these rituals and and jump through these hoops, you know, then God's happy and everything will work out. And the the problem is God is not contained in a box. God is not limited to our understanding. There's there's something that we're we've kind of lost, and it's called mystery. That there's a mystery about the way God works. We don't get to know and understand everything, and we've got to be okay with not knowing and understanding everything. We've got to be okay with some mystery around God and the way God works. And so, in these guys' case, in the case of the Galatians, you know, Jewish, the invitation was kind of the predictability of the Jewish law. The regulations, keep the regulations. And, and instead of understanding that God breaks down the boxes and he, he calls us to live in sort of a wild unpredictability of grace. This idea that God can speak to you any way that he wants to, through whom he chooses to. It might be through a child. It might be through, uh, you know, something you, you, you hear on the radio or, or, Something you read in a book, or of course, in scripture and directly to your heart. God is not limited to how he communicates to you. He's not limited in how he works in your life. Now, there's a, also kind of a personal reason why I want us to spend some time in this book. And, and that is this. I personally grapple with, struggle with this tension between freedom and legalism. Uh, I, I easily, I easily fall into the category of the Pharisee. I'm the older brother in the prodigal son story. It's easy for me to point at someone and say, hey, this isn't fair. I'm, you know, I'm keeping the rules. Why don't they keep the rules? It's, that comes very naturally to me. And so I'm also on a journey of trying to break away from that to be, uh, you know, more loving, more compassionate, more understanding. Uh, you know, I, I, it's it's easy for my my unhealthy my selfish and sinful biases to come out or uh, you know and I I want to learn what it means to really live both receiving the God the grace of God and giving God's grace all right does that make sense so I confess it's a little bit personal as well we're going to read Galatians chapter one and um, the first several verses. Um, as you know, I love being in a paper Bible. And if you're in a paper Bible, you're going to be in the New Testament. And Galatians is found by going through the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. That tells the story of Jesus. Acts is the kind of the, the rise of the church. And then we get into the epistles or letters. So Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and then Galatians. If you're in a digital Bible, you were there already long ago. That's great. You know me, I'm a bit old school. I love having the paper in my hand. All right, let's read Galatians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. This letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. All the brothers and sisters here join me in sending this letter to the churches of Galatia. May God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life 
for our sins, just as God our Father planned, in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. All glory to God forever and ever. Amen. That's as much as we're going to do today, but I just want to read the next five verses just for context. He says, I'm shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news, but is not the good news at all. You're being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. Let God's curse fall on anyone, including us or even an angel from heaven, who preaches a different kind of good news than the one we preach to you. I say again what we've said before. If anyone preaches any other good news than the one you welcomed, let that person be cursed. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. We thank the Lord for his word this morning. All right, let's begin with this word grace. We need to define this. What is grace? Uh, I, I think just the easiest phrase, at least for me, kind of the easiest way to get my head around this is just this two word phrase, undeserved favor, undeserved favor, favor that you don't deserve. If you're my age or younger and you listen to Christian pop music, you might have heard a band called the Newsboys. And they, they had this line, the song that the, the song was called real good thing. When you get what you don't deserve, it's a real good thing. When you don't get what you deserve, it's a real good thing. I don't know. Anybody, anybody listening? Yeah. Okay. There's a handful of you up there. You remember that, right? That's grace. It's an, it's the undeserved favor in this case from God. You can extend grace to each other. It's undeserved favor to somebody else, but we're talking about the grace of God. I think a lot of us have a partial understanding of grace. Um, and let me try to illustrate it this way. Uh, I mentioned before that my sons are pretty good gift givers. And one, one of my sons gave me a really nice wallet for Christmas. Very masculine. Love it. It's very cool. And uh, inside the wallet, there was a coupon for $50 off a wristwatch. Now, me, being not the brightest bulb in the string thinks, man, I'm going to get a watch for next to nothing. The rest of you are smart enough to know anybody that can offer a $50 coupon means it's a pricey watch. And so I'm like, oh, this is so cool. It's like two gifts in one. I go online. I'm like, I'm not paying that for a watch, even with the $50 coupon, right? Here's the thing. Some of us look at grace like a coupon, like a salvation coupon, like it's it's a discounted version of salvation. So, I mean, you still got to work for it. I mean, you still got to pay for it, but it's, it's discounted. I mean, it's grace. It's got the grace discount to it. And I want to understand that because of grace, salvation is free. It's received like any Christmas gift would be received. You actually have to take it, open it up, but you, I, I, I bet if you got a Christmas gift, anybody get a Christmas gift this year? If you got a Christmas gift, you probably didn't pay for it, unless your spouse put it on your credit card. Um, you didn't pay for your gift, right? It's it's given. If you spend any time in the New Testament, you're going to notice words like give and gift quite often, and Galatians is no exception. So, for example, in what we just read, verses 3 and 4, look at this. We'll have this on screen together. He, he says this, may, the Father, may God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ 
give you grace and peace. May God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Jesus gave his life for our sins. Just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Give. Gave. It's a gift freely received from God. Received by faith in Jesus. Now what could be better? And then he talks about Jesus, um, may God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ, give you grace and peace. What could be better than the gifts of grace and peace? I mean, doesn't that just like speak to your soul? Like, I could use grace and peace, especially as I look forward into 2021. I need grace and peace. Grace for moment-by-moment salvation. Peace for day-to-day freedom in Christ, right? Best of all, God is glorified when we trust in Him, which He's is is His desire for us to do. All that's... All that's really good. But here's there is a problem with the gospel message. There's a problem. And here is the problem with the gospel message. It sounds crazy. It sounds nuts that God has a son, Jesus. Jesus is sent to earth as a human grows up, is crucified, dies on a cross, submits himself, Philippians says, humbles himself to death, even death on a cross, lowers himself to the lowest possible place, is put in a tomb, is raised to life, right? all so that your sins could be taken to the cross, that you could be forgiven and have eternal life. I admit, it sounds kind of crazy. Even the Apostle Paul said, look, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Like to those who don't get it, you sound crazy. You really do. And, and, and I, I, I get it too because it's a little bit offensive to me as a contemporary person in the 21st century that, that I actually need to be forgiven of my sins. That, that I should even be punished. That there's a punishment for sin. I think, man, that's a little offensive to me because I'm a, I'm a pretty decent guy. Like, what does everybody say? Well, I haven't killed anybody that I, that I know of. Um, right? I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. Here's the major difference between Christianity and, and other religions. In other religions, you're, you're taught that there's a way to either undo your, your wrongdoing or, or that, you know, which means that the deity, the, the God of their, their worship, will overlook your sins if you do enough good things, if you kind of make up for it. Like on the scales, if you do more good things, that's going to get you in. So, for example, a Muslim will hope that his or her good deeds will outweigh the bad deeds so that they could enter paradise. Most people, I would say, even irreligious people, hope for some version of that. They will almost always say, well, I'm a pretty good person. I mean, I haven't done anything really, really bad. Here's the good news. Even if you've done things that are really, really bad, you can be forgiven. You can be made right with God. So the problem with that view of like good outweighing the bad means that those sins aren't actually paid for. Justice is actually not served. So the, 
the, the, the wrongdoing is never actually addressed. It's just overlooked. But the problem is justice has to be served because God is a just God. He can't just wink at evil and say, well, you did two good things and one bad thing. I'm going to go with the two good things. It doesn't work that way. The, the wrongdoing has to be, uh, has to be paid for. And, 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 and that's why Paul says at verse four, Jesus gave, verse four, Jesus gave his life for our sins. Jesus didn't give his life just to be a good example or just to show how great he is or just to prove that he could rise from the dead. Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. Okay, so what's happening in that is that justice is being served. God is is delivering justice for our sins. Our sins are being paid for. Your sins, my sins, they're real. And God, who is just, has to execute judgment. So sins have to be paid for. And the standard that God has set is your sins are paid for with blood. Somebody has to die. In the Old Testament, there was this temporary understanding that your sins could be atoned for through animal sacrifices. It was symbolic, but really the understanding was it's by faith, right? And now we get this new agreement that Jesus' blood is spilled for us. So no one gets away with anything. We've all sinned. We've all missed God's glorious standard. The wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. And, and so either we pay or someone else pays. Those are the two options. And, and I know that this is familiar to, to most of you. But, but again, how does God do this? God sends Jesus Christ, His Son who never sinned, and out of love for you and out of obedience to the Father, Jesus goes to the cross. He willingly gives his life, dies there. His blood is spilled. Why? To satisfy the judgment of our sin. Our sins are, the word is atoned, atoned for by Jesus at the cross. We are made at one with, made right with, calibrated with, justified, lined up with God, by faith in Jesus Christ who died for our sins, his life in place of our life. That's the gospel message. Now, some of our theologians, I'm not really a theological kind of guy, I'm not a great theological thinker, but I I know that some of our theologians um, are really uncomfortable with this whole concept because they don't want to accept that God, who is love and God is love, that God would send his own son to be punished, to suffer in our place. They, 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 they just can't accept that, that a loving God would do that to his own father. The fancy term for this is penal substitutionary atonement or just substitutionary atonement. Um, so that is that Jesus, as our substitute, is punished on our behalf for the sins that we commit. It's in some of the songs we sing. Uh, one of our favorites around here, we just sang it recently, In Christ Alone. Right? You know this line? Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. What's happening? God sends Jesus. Paul says in Galatians 3, God planned for Jesus to suffer on our behalf. 
in our place, substituted. Here's the question. Is the blood of Jesus enough to cover all our sins? I don't mean just the easy ones. Is it enough to cover all our sins? I've sometimes spoken with someone who will say, I, I, yeah, but I, I did something. I'm, I'm just, I just can't forgive myself. Okay, put yourself out of the picture for now. Can God, can the blood of Jesus cover every sin or not? I think we give this lip service. I think we say yes, of course. But do we really truly believe it? If Jesus' blood does not cover everything, then there's no point in it covering anything. It's, it's all or nothing. So in the case of Galatians, they were being taught that they had to add the Jewish laws as part of their salvation. Remember, grace is just a coupon and they have to pay for the rest. Grace plus works was what they were being taught equals salvation. Grace plus works equals salvation. Our understanding is rather this. Grace plus faith equals the fruit of salvation or the good works of salvation. But it's grace plus faith alone. So if keeping the law could earn salvation Jesus died in vain. There'd be no point. The blood of Christ is sufficient to cover every sin for every person. With this caveat, every person who will humble themselves to receive that grace. All right. I know this is familiar, but we have to just know this cold front and back. Now, there's another layer to this good news, and this is where we're going to land the plane today. There's another layer and it says, go back to verse one with me. He said, this letter is from Paul, an apostle. I was not appointed by any group of people or any human authority, but by Jesus Christ himself and by God, the father who raised Jesus from the dead. The word apostle just means a sent out one, someone who is sent uh, on a mission. That's what an apostle is. And, and, and we get a, all kinds of apostles in this world uh you know i get these at my door all the time i you know i call them solar apostles they come to my door to try to convert me to solar energy and like hey have you considered that i'm like oh hey i'm already a believer i just you should have looked at my roof before you knocked on my door and you know or or if you're like shopping for a new car you might go to the toyota dealership and and the salesperson is a Toyota apostle and they're trying to get you converted. You know, Toyota's the best and you've got to get this Camry and it's got all these latest features. That's a kind of apostle. They're on a mission. They're sent by an organization or sent by the sales manager, right? That's a kind of apostle. Paul says he was not sent by a person or an organization. He's been sent by God to share this good news of Christ. And we know from Paul's other writings, he, he particularly feels that he's an apostle to the Gentiles, to the, to the non-Jews, even though he's a Jew and he also preaches to Jews. In fact, he always starts there. But Paul's apostolic gospel authority, there's a mouthful for you, was not granted by humans, but by God himself. And by extension, listen, this is where it applies to us. This is the good news. By extension, every believer is authorized onto mission. By God the Father and by Jesus the Son. So that includes you. If you're a follower of Jesus, that includes me. You have been authorized onto mission by God himself and by Jesus Christ the Son. You remember the words of Jesus. It's found at the end of the book of Matthew. 
Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, and therefore, now go make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I've taught you, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be with you even to the end of the age. That's what Jesus said. He sent us out your authority to minister to the people around you. You are a minister. As a follower of Jesus, you are a minister. You administer the presence of Jesus Christ everywhere you go. Did you know that? You're in, you're a minister. You, you bring that presence of Jesus. And that authority comes directly from the Lord. So, when you pray with somebody, when you share the gospel with somebody, when you serve joyfully, when you give generously, when you listen intently, whatever it is that the Lord's leading to you into in that moment, you're doing so not because I as your pastor or because the church kind of authorized you for that. Hopefully we're able to equip you to be able to do that more effectively and with greater freedom. But you're doing that because your permission, right? Your commission, your appointment for that comes from God. You are an apostle, small a, apostle sent for that mission. And because Jesus is the one that sends you out, you can have great courage, boldness as you do that. So I'm going to ask you a question to chew on for the new year. As we start 2021, what is your mission from God? I'm not talking about the Blues Brothers here, so put that aside, right? What is your mission from God? What is God calling you to where has he placed you right starting right where you are right now what is the mission from god how have you been sent okay so paul this apostle a man who discovered that all his sins were covered by the blood of jesus christ through the grace of god by his faith right he was sent out by god to proclaim the good news message the gospel of grace to all people particularly to the gentiles planting churches along the way that was his mission What's yours? What's mine? In 2021, what is God commissioning you for? Is it bringing spiritual influence to your grandkids? Is it praying for and serving a neighbor? Is it raising great kids in the faith? Is it being salt and light in a toxic work environment? Is it caring for an aging parent with with tenderness and patience? Is it sharing the gospel with a, with a, you know, a person or a group of people? Is it mentoring and discipling a young person or young people? Like what is the mission that God's called you to in this year? Knowing that God's empowered you, He's given you authority just like the Apostle Paul. He says, I wasn't sent out by a person, I was sent out by God. What is it for you? I'm going to invite the worship team to come and lead us in a closing song, a great testimony of Conviction. God's grace is enough for every situation, for every day. And we're going to explore this a lot this year, and I hope we really grow in our grasp and understanding of grace. But today it begins right here. From right where you are, when you, whatever you, you know, whatever you wake up to tomorrow morning, home, workplace, School, whatever it is. That's your mission starts there. What is God calling you to? What's the mission that He's sending you out for? Let's pray. God, we're thankful that 
um, we have this testimony from the Apostle Paul who understood that he was sent out by you for a purpose. Lord, I thank you that he is going to remind us that we don't have to strive or somehow create our own salvation. We just have to receive what you've already completed for us. Help us to live in that freedom today and every day. And Lord, for the person today that is just struggling with that big, there's a a big chunk in your life where you just feel like, I can't, I can't get past that. I want you to know that, that Jesus went to the cross for that too. Something you did, something was done to you, I don't know, but you just need to know that Jesus went to the cross for that too. God, you, you welcome us into your grace. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your gospel. Amen.